Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, at C. Edmonds, lead mountain dog diet trainer. And how you feel about today's state of bodybuilding, Mr. Edmonds? <laughs> you know, let's just go after it, man. Yeah. Let's just fucking go after it. Um, you know, it, it's been an interesting week, uh, or week and a half, so to speak, in the bodybuilding world. And like, I don't even know where almost where to start. Um, I think the biggest topic is, you know, all the allegations against Sean Roden and, you know, him not being able to compete in Olympia. And, you know, I think I said to you earlier, you asked me what my opinion on it, and it was, and I was like, you know, at, at, at the least he was in a bad situation that he shouldn't have been in. And if you're the Mr. Olympia, I guess I just expect you to hold yourself to a higher standard. Um, you are the representation of us as a whole, and you are the best in the world at the current time. So to me, I expect you to act like a champion on and off the stage yeah. and conduct yourself like a businessman. And, um, you know, sadly, it just makes me angry. Um, then if you look at, you know, the past show of this weekend where Hottie looked absolutely bananas, did open in uh, Vancouver and beat Nathan Diasha soundly. And then guess what we see? Nathan Diasha goes on fucking Instagram and Facebook and tells the world how he didn't shoot his body up with oil and all this shit about he wasn't not in shape and he should have won. And listen, everyone that I know that was there said that he got beat and it wasn't even close. Like, Hottie is that good. And I think it was a shot to his ego because that dude was 220 on stage. Like, he's a legit 212 competitor. And he got destroyed. Right. Um, you know, so to me, like, the reason Hottie's so crazy is we don't see someone coming as hard as he is. He's super complete. He's not missing body parts. And the only reason, in my opinion, he wasn't the 212 Olympia is because he can't get a visa to get in the U.S. to do the to compete in Vegas. Right. Like, I really believe in my heart he would have beaten Flex Lewis. Wow. You know, again, that's that's open for interpretation. Yeah. But he's that good. Yeah. Um, I'd at least want to see him stand next to the top the top five in the 212. Uh, at, at Vegas, but you know, it is what it is. Like, I think now at this point, like with the current crop of bodybuilders, if you think about who's not doing the Olympia, you know, Roden's not doing it. We think that Kai's not doing it. We think Phil's not doing it. Rami's not doing it. Um, he's got a good shot to place top three in the open Mr. Olympia. If he can get into the country, um, you know, there's that travel ban cause he's Iranian, but you know, I would love to see him get in and win. Um, but anyways, getting back to my point, I've said this a thousand times on my Facebook or Instagram. Do not complain about placing. We do a sport that's opinionated and subjective. It isn't like football where you score points or prevent the other team from scoring. It literally is subjective. All you can do is get back to work and get better. So that's two topics. Another topic we saw, fucking William Bonac calling out Neil Hill online on a, you know, I think it was a 10-minute Instagram story about how Neil Hill stole money from him and used him and didn't give him a great service. And, you know, I've told you before we started the show, I've had a bad working experience with Neil Hill before. I'm not going to get into the details of it because it's just it's too long and it's too time consuming yeah. and it'll just get me fucking angry. But I can tell you, he's not someone I would ever work with. And if someone came to me and asked my opinion, I would tell them what I just said to you is I would not recommend it. Yeah. So 
I can't speak for their working relationship, but what I can do is when he gave that apartment tour or the tour of his house, that place was a shithole because he can't clean his apartment. It wasn't because the place was bad or that he couldn't afford better. Like, it was literally dirty. There was dishes in the sink, clothes all over the floor. Like, dude, just clean up after yourself. Like, I don't feel sorry for you. You don't have another full-time job. At minimum, hire a fucking maid and clean the place up, right? Right, right. <laughs> like, how far gone are we as a bodybuilding society where you can give a tour of your house and say, look how awful the IFBB has done me, and you can't even clean up after your fucking self? Like, give me a break, man. Like, that's just normal everyday life. Like, do your dishes, do your laundry, clean up, vacuum, dish, just put all your stuff in the fucking dishwasher for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, I guess I grew up in a time in bodybuilding where I looked up to guys like Branch Warren, who owned multiple businesses, had a wife, have kids. But at the same time, they get in that gym and do work. And then if they don't place where they favorably or how they feel they should have, they just shut their fucking mouth and get back in the gym and get better. Like they don't sit around and bitch and moan and complain about it. And they don't run to social media to get likes and have people tell them, oh, you were so great. You should have won. They just said, fuck you. Like if you look at guys like Jay, right? He built a fucking empire off of his body. Yeah. Like he's a, one of the most successful pro bodybuilders of all time because he literally managed his money that he earned from bodybuilding and put it into real estate. He put it into opening up his own, his own supplement company and own clothing line and ha having his own media department. Like, you know, if you think about Ronnie, man, I mean, that dude worked as a police officer full time for the for his first three Olympias. Yeah. Like, can you imagine chasing criminals on foot being four weeks out from a bodybuilding show? <laughs> and oh yeah, by the way, it's the biggest fucking bodybuilding show on the planet, not just a local show. So like, Didn't, I guess we're wh so... Where was he in? Arlington or Houston? Where was he a cop at? Yeah. Yeah, not, not probably not an easy place to police either. <laughs> Dude, it was in Texas, right? Yeah. Oh, in this in September. It was probably 100 fucking degrees outside. Yeah. And he was out in the heat chasing criminals, man. Right. And you didn't see him complain one singular How minute fit when Chad had him doing... Car? With the fucking vest on. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Or fit into the uniform, right? right. <laughs> like, that bulletproof vest probably covered a third of his torso. Oh, God. Um, You know, so if you think about that, like, think about his old videos, right? He'd get up in the morning. He'd do an hour on the, on the treadmill in his house. He'd eat. He'd go train at Metroflex for two hours. He'd go to work. He'd work his shift. He'd get off. He'd get home. And he's back on the treadmill doing another hour of cardio at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And you didn't see that dude complain once. No. And we have guys that can't even clean up after themselves talking about how they're getting fucked. <laughs> like, eat a dick, man. <laughs> like, it's so pathetic. It makes me literally angry. Like, take some accountability for your life. You were fortunate enough to be able to train for a living. Get paid for it. Win big shows that are prestigious. Like, do you know how cool it would be to come home and look on your manual and see an Arnold Classic trophy? The guy who built our sport, being Arnold, shaking your hand on stage and being able to do an interview with him? Like, literally, think about how blessed and truly fortunate you are. Yeah. Don't complain about it, man. Like, I guess that's what I can get across. Like, take accountability for your life. Own this shit. Make money. And then reinvest it so your money makes money. Don't blow it on stupid stuff that we see everyone wants to be Instagram famous and post, you know, pictures of them in Lambos. Like, dumb. Those are material things that aren't going to pay off dividends. Right. You can't take that shit to the grave with you, right? Like, set up your next generation of kids so they never have to work a day in their life. Like, is that too much to ask? Like, 
I, I just don't get it. I, like, I think, all right, enough of this. <laughs> yeah, and I think there is a, a huge sense of entitlement when people do get up to the ranks. There are certain people and their egos, and there's a narcissistic quality in a lot of people's personalities that when they get a little bit of fame and get a little bit of fortune and, you know, place well and do well in some of the top shows, a lot of people start to stroke their egos. Uh, they, they get some sponsorships, they get some money, they get some fame, they get exposure. And I think for a lot of people, it goes to their heads, you know, I, and I don't think this is just bodybuilding. I, I think this is music. I think this is acting. I think it's Hollywood. I think it's a, I think there's a lot of crossover to fame and a lot of different, um, a lot of different disciplines that people do to attain fame and uh, they just don't stay down to earth and it's the biggest mistake you can fucking make. And then, you know, and then not taking that, you know, responsibility that you are a role model um, and, and taking that seriously is, is just a grave mistake. I think you're doing whatever industry you're in a huge disservice um, and, and the, throughout the years, and I've been associated with bodybuilding since the eighties, I've been following it since the eighties. And really when I was a real little kid, I remember the Arnold stuff. And I remember when he first, you know, got pop. I remember watching the world's strongest man and seeing Franco Colombo blow up hotter, those rubber freaking things and carry around refrigerators and all this crazy shit. So um, I, I remember a lot of this, you know, the inception and w before he even became mainstream. And then when it did become mainstream and became really popular, I was a part of, you know, kind of the golden 80s bodybuilding. When it got popular, I kind of got into it as I was playing high school football. And then into the 90s, um, I continued you know, to follow it. And I bought all the magazines and, you know, aside from football, I was kind of bodybuilding and, um, you know, I, so I've been seeing a lot of these tragedies. I've been seeing a lot of these stories that have happened, you know, the, uh, the McNeil murder, the, you know, the Craig Titus, Kelly Ryan scandal and a lot of the, and then, you know, multiple cheatings and multiple, you know, just it, it runs the gamut of what you've seen throughout the years. And I, I think there's, you know, you, you see the same thing in the NFL. These guys beating up their girlfriends yep. and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and all kinds of different things. And I, I think that when you do get the Russell Wilsons and when you do get yep. the bodybuilders like Branch Warren and the Jay Cutlers in these principally centered individuals that run their lives the way they should and, and shoulder the responsibility as they should. Um, I think you're going to get a, a percentage of these fucking assholes that give us a bad name and don't take it serious to responsibility. Maybe, maybe there's some personality flaws. Maybe these people legit are like narcissistic and need therapy. Um, I don't know if, if, if you're married and have a little girl and a wife and you're Mr. Olympia and you allow yourself to even get into a situation where somebody can accuse you of rape and you, and you, and then another married and the chick was married too. talking about the Sean Roden incident. Right. 
and they get into a hotel room and whatever happened, happened. Who knows? Maybe she's fabricating and creating a story. Maybe he's a piece of shit and really tried to rape her. Whatever the case may be, you know, uh, the the truth will be revealed in time (laughs) in this in this instance and in most instances. But but I, I think that he didn't shoulder that responsibility like a branch warren like a russell wilson uh i guarantee you russell wilson and he wasn't even married before when he won the super bowl but he's married now he wouldn't be caught dead in a situation like that with some girl that but you know it just it's not in his character to do that and you know i as far as that all goes, I, I, I don't expect a lot out of top athletes anymore because of all the shit that I've seen throughout the decades and and the problems. But at the same time, it, it just it fucks the industry as a whole and it, and it hurts us and it hurts us amateurs um, that are living our lives the way we should. And so that's kind of my take on it. So, so, so here's the deal, man. Like, I think the public perception of, of bodybuilding at that level is they're dumb sex crazy drug addicts, right? That that's the overwhelming stereotype is they're drug abusers, they only care about themselves, they're very self-centered and they just abuse women, meaning they take advantage of them. Right. And like that's an awful stereotype to have to try to battle and defend and then when all you do is perpetuate it with a situation like this, it's just not good. Sure. But it goes back to one of your first points of you know, when people get success, they start believing their own hype, yeah. right? You know, instantly everyone's telling them how great they are, how lean, how big, how much better. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some really good physique athletes. And the moment they succeed and get some good success, you have ones that start believing that hype. And guess what happens? They start slacking off on training. They start slacking off with their meal plan because they believe what people tell them is they're, they're great and they're unbeatable and undeniable and all this stupid shit right like that's why i think i like people like if you look at tom brady in in what world does he have the right to just go hang out on a boat with his wife who by the way is a supermodel and just relax and say man i've won six super bowls i'm the greatest of all time but no that dude still has a chip in his shoulder and says listen i'm gonna win seven i'm gonna win eight i'm gonna win nine i'm gonna win every super bowl i choose to play in like he's still he's still trying to prove himself like he's that yeah. <laughs> six round draft pick that wasn't supposed to even make the fucking NFL. Correct. Yeah. Because he listen, he still he remembers people doubting him. And he remember he listens to these, you know, radio shows and people say, Oh, he's too old, he's too this, he's too slow, he's too white, he's you know, he's not athletic <laughs> enough. And, he, and you know what, man, he's he takes white. that shit as fuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, it's just true. Like he takes that as fuel and says, guess what? I'm going to be smarter than you. I'm going to work harder than you. Yeah. And I'm going to make you eat your words year after year after year. And like, that's the reason I like that dude. Even though I'm a true Redskin fan, like I can truly appreciate greatness. Um, and when you watch that man work and you watch him in the off season, you watch him study film, like he still wants to prove people wrong. And it's really cool to me, man. Like that's to me is what sports are about. Like, not about fame and showing bling off and here are the cars that I drive and here's my mansion and all that stupid shit. Like, cause guess what? When you step between those white lines or when you step on a bodybuilding stage, none of those physical uh, material things matter. Right. It's man versus man in that moment. Who's the best and the best will win. Yeah. 
So getting on to the topic for today in episode uh, 32, guys, it is what we're going to talk about is if we had to do it over again, meaning we could go back to our late teens, what would we do differently knowing what we know now with the knowledge that we and the experience that we have now? taking going back to our young youthful bodies of let's say 18 19 years old so first and foremost chris put yourself back in an 18 or 19 year old body with your knowledge now and explain to me uh if you if you would number one if you would still be playing college football or if you would discover the fact, see, I think part of this is, okay, do you, would you discover that your passion or realize that your passion's in bodybuilding and not in football, or would you still have gone through the college experience to start with and playing football or how would that change knowing what you know now? Knowing what I know now and where I am with my career, um, I actually wished I would have started bodybuilding at 15 or 16. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't give up that football experience because I really believe that helped mold me into the man and person that I am today. Yeah. But I wished that I would have paid more attention to things like biomechanics, mobility, um, learning how to contract and fire all my muscles, not just being more explosive, being faster, being bigger. I and mean, like that like I think about my early years of lifting and it was solely just to get stronger and faster. And like, that's all I cared about. And I wanted to get bigger and gain weight, obviously. But I, I said that like with my mouth, but my actions in terms of what I ate did not match that. Does that make sense? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I wanted to gain muscle and I would train my ass off in the gym, but I wouldn't follow that up with sound nutrition because I, I really feel like, you know, I, I was very, if, if there was one huge missing piece early, early in my like lifting career, it was definitely nutrition. Um, because I just thought it was, you could train hard and you could, you know, run your sprints and practice your 40 technique and run routes and you would be better and you would get better and grow because that's what everyone said. So like if, if I'm, if we're, so if we break this up into like kind of four pieces of what I chose a different path. I think yes and no. I would have loved to, in my off season, you know, get all my football lifting in. But in, in the morning is when we did that. I would have loved to go back for a PM session and do more of an aesthetic, like bodybuilding type style, like pump workout with the accessory lifts. So, you know, we lifted four days a week. I sh there's no reason I shouldn't have went back in the PM and done like a push, pull legs and arms for me personally. Right. And, the, and the, to try to build aesthetically um, the look that I'm after now. So if I'm choosing a path, like to me there, um, I, and I think we'll get into later in this vote, like in terms of training, food, supplements, and kind of a overall grab bag. Um, so yeah, if we're going to speak about that first, I would say, yeah, I wish that I would have gotten into bodybuilding sooner while still pursuing football. Right. So for me, um, I would have kept everything the same as far as going through college football, working on the Olympic lifting, getting stronger, getting bigger, just like I did. <clears throat> I just wish that when I was in high school 
and I was learning how to squat, learning how to power clean, that I would have had more qualified and better coaches. Uh, and and right. into college, in college, we had coaches that were great coaches, great motivators, great on the field guys, X's and O's. They we didn't have a strength coach. We figured that shit all out ourselves in high school and even in college. And um, they got us routines. And both in high school and both in college, we were just getting routines from from college football programs that were copied and pasted from our coaches from their program, you know, from these college programs that they were finding on online or, you know, however they found their programs that were real generic. Um, and then, and then of course there was no tutelage. There was no learning the technique. So I, I think, you know, first and foremost, <clears throat> when I was in my late teens and I discovered Bodybuilding. I was seeing bodybuilding. And I like the aesthetics. I like the look. I like the the muscle quality. But I was playing football. I, I wish I would have just had some coaching. To okay, well, here's how you eat, and um, this is how much you need for your body and your activity level. But I still would have been playing football, and I kind of did a combination of bodybuilding and Olympic lifting, powerlifting kind of power bodybuilding, if you will, uh, kind of like Ronnie Coleman style when I was playing college ball. Um, and, and I think that's fine. I just wish I would have somebody always watching my form first and, and foremost, and then helping me with my diet, uh, or having that better knowledge with the diet there. I probably wasn't feeding myself enough at all right. or on the frequency that I needed to be yeah. feeding. So I think Young athletes today, and I, and I feel that's probably still a problem for high school kids and um, not so much in the bigger programs of the college. I think they have people that kind of tell you how to eat for your diff the, you know, the different athletics that you do. So men versus women. And they I think most of them have dietitians or nutritional, you know, uh, registered dietitians or some kind of a nutritional scientist working for the university that tells the different demographics how they're supposed to eat for their activity levels. I feel like they're the top colleges are better about that. Now, when you get into the, your teens, I feel like it's probably still lost and people still, even though there, you can get information online uh, and it's more than we could, uh, there was no online when we <laughs> When we were kids, there was magazines, um, and so I, I, I that that that's my first that's my first thought about that. Yeah, I mean, so if I look at once I got into bodybuilding training, yeah, and you know, I, again, as, as as we've talked before, I learned a majority of mine through reading magazines, through uh, like real like there's a book called Huge that came out. I bought that. It had a it had a sample diet in there. It had a workout program for twelve weeks. It had your supplements. It had cardio and everything. So I followed that to really kind of start and kick off my bodybuilding life, um, like for sure. And um, if when I look back at what I did for training then and kind of how it evolved over those next few years, like I, I really wished I'd have paid a lot more attention to 
moving load with my muscle, not just moving weight to move it because I, because I could say I got stronger. Yeah. So if I'm really being, if I want to like nitpick, like it for sure, that was my back. And like, I was good at lap pull downs. I was good at pull ups. I was good at bent over barbell rowing, T-bar rows. I was good at deadlifts, but I wasn't good at activating my back for those. So what I meant was I could move good load when all those lifts I did. I mean, I was doing um, barbell rows bent over with 275. I don't think I was using a drop of my fucking lats. I was using my traps, rear delts, and biceps. <laughs> right. So um, I would pay a lot more attention to biomechanics and learning how to fire the target muscle in the specific spot. So I was always good at leg and calf training. Um, I was good at arm training. But everything else, as far as like back, chest, shoulders, I was bad at. Not good. Um, so more time with that. Um, there was a portion of my early bodybuilding career when one of the guys who I looked to as a mentor was like, dude, your arms are so much bigger than your shoulders and chest. You need to lay off arm training. And I literally stopped training my arms directly for two years. And I wished I wouldn't have done that <laughs> because now my arms are stubborn and won't grow. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, that I would go back on. And then the last thing, like as far as training goes, I wished I would have known how to do hamstrings and shoulder training the way I do it now. So um, it, of all the muscles I grew the later in my bodybuilding career, hamstrings and shoulders have grown the most in the re most recent years. And I really believe it's because I know how to train them now. So if I could go back and say, hey, this is how you structure a leg workout. This is how you structure a shoulder workout. Like those are the th top three for me training wise that I do differently. How about you? Um, so I would take my leg training completely differently. I wouldn't be just be, cause I, I so when I was in Walla Walla at my community college, I was playing two sports. I was, I played tennis and then I played football and I got a partial tennis scholarship uh, and, but, but the main sport was football. And I went up to, uh, one of my coaches worked at the Walla Walla state penitentiary and I got to go in a couple years in a row, my freshman and sophomore year, I got to go to the penitentiary and power lift against all the inmates. And, um, oh, wow. that was a really cool experience going through that, not only to go into a maximum security prison, but also to, lift against those guys and these were all obviously natural guys you know genetic freaks um and uh the first year i took third i took third place the second year i got beat on the last lift on the last deadlift by a guy that hitched and wouldn't have been he, he it wasn't a legal deadlift it took him like a minute to finish <laughs> um, but right. they gave it to him cause he finally got it up and, uh, and then he beat me on that last lift and, uh, it was kind of funny, but my, 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 my point is, um, great experience, uh, learning how to lift heavy, but I, you know, my form was probably not the best and I was just kind of raw strong. And that was the first time I had deadlifted over 500 pounds. <clears throat> and um, uh, what I would do differently is I would have studied how to lift and and like like you had just mentioned, uh, learn how to train the muscle a little bit better and not so much 
um, lifting a weight from point A to point B like I was doing and, and, you know, not concerned about form. It was just, you just wanted to lift the fucking weight. It was how much, how much weight you could lift. And, um, so I would have taken that a little bit more seriously. And, uh, then shortly after football, I was pretty disciplined all the way throughout, but in my late twenties, I moved down to San Diego and became a little bit of a wild child. Um, my biggest regret is not when I first came back from college, I started working out with Mark Dugdale and my first, and this was when he was an amateur, this was eight years before he turned pro. So he had just started in the NPC and he was working out with a guy by the name of Sean Scalari. And so him, Sean and I got together, started working out. It was a brand new gold's gym in North Seattle that became the Mecca in Seattle. The gym had like almost 10,000 people. It was a 10,000 square foot gym. The, this place was, was cracking. It, it was the spot in Seattle packed out every night, tons of bodybuilders, total heyday in the mid nineties. <clears throat> it was, uh, during the reign of Dorian, uh, as, as Mr. O and it was a real popular time for gyms and a real popular time for the gold's gym franchise and bodybuilding in general in the mid nineties as, in the late 80s, I think what happened was, uh, if you look back, what became mainstream were Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in, in the movies in the late 80s. And then Sylvester Stallone was obviously fi- following a bodybuilding type plan, uh, you know, chemicals and, um, and training wise. And then Arnold, you know, being the Mr. Seven Time Mr. Olympia, <clears throat> I think um, being real popular in the movies became real mainstream. So people wanted to start looking like that. So I felt like that helped the industry get popular because people then guys started wanting to look like that. And um, right. so they, they started joining gyms and started following the programs and like, well, who fucking doesn't want to look like Rambo and, 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 and Arnold, you know? Um, everybody, every guy wanted arms like Conan, the fucking barbarian and everybody wanted abs like fucking, you know, uh, Rocky. And so I, yep. I feel like that pushed everybody. And anyway, getting back to working out with Mark Dugdale, who was very serious and you could obviously tell he had some genetic, uh, predispositions. He already had huge legs was thick, you know, his arms were kind of small, but he trained like a fucking animal and I started working out with him. I got up, I was 26 years old. I got up to 244 pounds. Uh, I was the strongest I'd ever been, you know, squatting 600, benching mid 400s, repping out 365 on bench, repping out 545 for sets of five on squat. I was so strong. My muscles were getting big. I was training in a bodybuilding manner. Then I moved down to San Diego and became a dumbass. So my looking back now, I wish I would have taken that momentum that I had after football and then realized, and I, and I tried to play football for a year at offer in Canada, I had an offer in Europe to play professional ball, never realized my NFL dreams and that never became a reality, even being able to try out for one of those teams. So I switched gears and kind of got into bodybuilding and was working out with Mark. 
then I, you know, I, I moved down to San Diego. I, I was working out in a Gold's gym down in San Diego, which is now the World Gym. Um, at the time, it was Gold's as well. And I was working out and still kind of into it. But, you know, I started kind of like drinking and partying and I kind of lost my way. And I wish I would have had the knowledge now to take my body, what I had when I was done playing college ball and that momentum I had because I would be pretty probably pretty crazy looking had I not kind of veered off to the left a little bit. So with my knowledge, I wish I would have just taken myself a little bit more seriously. But you know what? Everybody, it's shaped who I am and it's made me who I am and my football and my even going down to San Diego. And I make no bones about it. Um, it was a very self-destructive time in my life. And I'll, I'll admit to everybody um, that there was a time in my life I wasn't very proud of. And I wish I would have been a little bit more disciplined and principally centered uh, then. Uh, but I wasn't. And I fucked off for a while and then, you know, pretty much didn't get serious until, you know, later 30s uh, and back into opening gyms and running gyms and uh, back into my body, you know, probably a little too late, um, to be quite honest. And I kind of missed that window. I missed that that 26 to 36 window I missed uh, of growing and developing my body. And that's it's fine. Uh, you know, you, you do what you can and you and you move forward. A lot of people have obstacles and shit go on in their lives. You know, a lot of people have job issues and marriages and kids and different things go on that makes whatever momentum they had when they're out of college or when they're in their prime body wise not a reality. And, um, a lot of people have gone through some trials and tribulations like I've had. And I think just looking back, my biggest thing is I would have taken that momentum then with my knowledge now and taking eating that I have now and the training knowledge that I have now, and then, and then gotten a coach. But coaches weren't popular back then. Nobody had, we all fucking did this on our no. own. You know, if you yeah, did you have a coach, you just, what happened is, you would be in the bodybuilding gym and you would have a guy who had a great physique and you'd just start talking to him and you kind of follow the shit that he or she did. And there were some girls that were pretty jacked too. So, but all the girls were following what, what the guys were telling them to do. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I, uh, I, that was just the nature of the industry back then. And I think the industry has changed now. It, 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 you have such more uh, access to good coaching, to um, quality coaches, and uh, being able to follow um, a program and maximize your potential. I, I feel like the younger people are in a better spot now than we were, as we were kind of learning on the fly. And uh, I, I feel like the industry and the coaching and bodybuilding has, has you know, really developed over the last couple of decades and into a business. And so that's a great that's a great thing for us. At the same time, all this bullshit that 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 people do is out there for everybody to see too, um, in mainstream news and social media and everybody covering it and covering the industry. So. You get an amplification of everything that goes on, coaching, 
the things that are go bad in the industry, the things that are good in the industry, the good people. The bad. Everybody lives their fucking life on social media, right? Good, bad, and indifferent. So we see everything, which is good and bad, but I think it's good overall, and I think it's great, great uh, on a whole. Yeah. All right. So let's move forward. Nutrition. Yep. Yeah. Um, to me, this is the big. This is the biggest thing I did wrong. Um, I just didn't see early in my bodybuilding. I didn't see the importance of nutrition. Uh, I thought it was all training, and sadly, I just drastically underate. I'm that kid who would say, oh, I eat all the time. <laughs> and I think that's why, like, whenever I, I, I have a soft spot for kids in my heart. And I say kids, it's anyone under 25 who's just skinny and can't put muscle on and desperately needs it. Because, like, I have a connection. Like, I was once there. I want to help you. So I want to kind of show the light. So a light bulb will go off. Like, I had way too late, in my opinion. Like, I missed out in my, as far as my natural potential, because I just simply wasn't eating enough to facilitate growth. And there was a while that I followed the seafood diet, which is you see it, you eat it. <laughs> That's not good either. <laughs> um, you, did it make my scale weight go up? Hell yeah. But I don't believe I was putting on the quality tissue I could have yeah. if I was eating how I do in terms of the food choices and timings of nutrients. Um, and then the last thing as far as that goes is, uh, you know, to me, if you notice the recurring theme is I wish I said for training, I would have studied more biomechanics. I wish I would have studied nutrition more and had the knowledge I have now. Um, so it's a recurring theme of education. Yeah. And the, the last, the last piece of that is I was super diligent with tracking my training, meaning the weights that I lifted, the sets, the reps, the volumes, I, cause I love that. And still to this day, I love that. I love the training piece way more than I love nutrition. Um, but I didn't track my food, uh, like I did training. Like I can go back and look at notebooks when I was 20 and I have all my workouts written down. There's not one singular spot where I have a nutrition plan written down. Right. And to me, like, that's where I failed the most. So in How your defense, you just to interject real quick. Yeah. In your defense. Yeah. Everybody was fucking bloated and puffy in the 90s anyway. So there yeah, was yeah. there <laughs> was no thing. Uh, there, there was no thing even as reverse dieting. There was no lean gains. Yeah. We didn't we didn't build from a lean mat. We, we, we got big and fat and puffy. And that's yeah. just what you did. Right. That's how you got bigger. That was generally accepted. That's what we all fucking did. And then when you tried to get in shape for a show or you got, had to get in shape for wrestling or football or a weight class or, or whatever in whatever sport you did, you then dieted. But uh, to get bigger, it was it was it was the Joe Weeder weight gain fucking five thousand, and it was the <laughs> yeah. seafood diet, and it was buffet style when you went out with your buddies, and you're like, let's yep. get fucking big. And I I, I, I remember <laughs> to this day, my mom would take me out. I'd be going back to college, and we'd go shopping, and we'd go to the. It was like a Costco type warehouse. I think it was called Sam's Club. And I would buy cases of Top Ramen and cases of fucking tuna and the biggest paste picani bottles you've ever fucking seen. And, <laughs> and and those were the staples. And then and then you ate buffet style wherever else you found, you know, fried fucking chicken and, you know, rice and whatever else you, know, you were, get your hands on. The, the, there, there was a classic quote that I all that always went through my head, and on the top of all my notebooks for my workouts, I would write this singular statement by Ronnie, and it says, "If you want to get big, you gotta eat big." Absolutely. And 
Like, <laughs> that's what I believe. I believed you ate until you were stuffed at every single sitting. And, you know, there, there wasn't... There wasn't like, oh, you just have this much chicken and this much rice. It was no. It was literally shove food into your mouth until you feel like you're going to throw up and then repeat it in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, you know, the, just the knowledge and education. And, you know, if we can kind of tie in supplements here, because that's kind of the same realm as nutrition for me, in my opinion. Like, it goes back to education. Like, we got our education for supplements through ads in muscle magazines yeah. back then, right? Um, you know, you saw Celtech gain 30 pounds of muscle in a month by two scoops a day. So I believed that hype. I believed that I could make all the gains, so to speak, in um, <laughs> by going to GNC and spending way too much money on supplements that all the pros took, right? No, the pros are getting sponsored by Muscle Tech, and they were you know, suggesting that we take these supplements because that's how they grew. Well, you know, that, again, it goes back to education. I was young and naive. I had no clue what steroids, what GH, what insulin was. I, I didn't know what any of that stuff was. I thought that the pros were, A, always shredded and big, and I thought that they always just took their creatine and they drank their Nitrotech shakes and they took their vitamins and their NO boosters, and that's how they looked the way they do. So for me, supplements was like, I, I spent way too much money and time focusing on supplements when I should have been putting my efforts towards nutrition. Um, yeah. And, and again, I, I bought into that hype, man. Like, cause that was, that was the kind of, in my opinion, they the succeeded of the supplement. They, the companies fucking yes. succeeded. They fucking hook, line and sinkered your ass. A thousand percent. Cause I believed it. <laughs> I believe that if you took hydroxy cut hardcore, that I wouldn't have to follow a meal plan. That would just shed all the fat off me. Right. That's right. Like, now, luckily, at that time, like, I was trying to gain weight. So I didn't mess with the fat burners because I didn't need them. I was trying to gain muscle. Um, when I actually started my first nutrition plan to diet for a bodybuilding show, like, I didn't, I, that's when I called on fat burners. But I, at that time, I was educated enough with nutrition to know that, hey, that's those that's simply an aid. That's not the be-all, end-all. Like, I have to do my cardio. I have to still do a nutrition plan. Right. So, like, with food and supplements, like, I completely missed the mark. And... You know, this was before, like, what we are fortunate enough to have with intra-workout nutrition, but I did discover Milos and his intra-workout protocols, and I started installing those into my plan, and then I really started to see my workouts get better and me to start putting on lean muscle tissue. Now, back then, it was a mixture of um, branched-chain amino acids and Vitargo uh, that I used. I, I wasn't fortunate enough to do essential aminos and highly branched cyclic dextrin like I am now. So, you know, as far as supplements, like, again... I was just young and naive, and I, I, I didn't realize that the role that uh, performance-enhancing drugs had in terms of gaining lean muscle tissue, I thought it was all on, like, the over-the-counter stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, see, and I, I knew better than that because I must have been at the right gyms at the right times. Um, You're right. And, but all that stuff was circling around the gyms at the times and those, I mean— Let's face it, you know, everybody was kind of hip to how Durian was getting so fucking big back at, back in the day. <laughs> right. And that was getting filtered down into, you know, the, the, the knowledge base of those big bodybuilding gyms. So I, I knew I knew a, a, a little bit about what they were doing. I think it was a it was a more is better atmosphere. 
and uh, philosophy. And um, so I, I think, you know, the evolution of, of everything has changed a little bit, but um, the knowledge was out there and uh, kind of depending on probably where you were at, what area, what gym, like how big of a city it was and the, and the people would probably dictate how, how, what was going on in the nineties and where, where you were at personally. But, but I, you know, it, it was, it was definitely a, a part of the mix of what people were doing that I was around. Yeah. Right. All right. Last thing for me, yep. and then I'll let you finish. I had this kind of like as a miscellaneous type. So the, I, I've spoke about the first time I ever competed. I, I, you know, I've told you guys that my um, fitness manager boss at the time had taught me into doing a show. And when I look back in hindsight, that was one of the best growing times I was ever in the middle of. Um, training was going well. Um, I, I'd learned about nutrition and how to structure a meal plan to the best of my ability at the time. All the things in my life had aligned. I had a good job. I was making great money. Um, I was in a, a very stable relationship with Angela um, and things were just working out really well. So at that period of time, I should have kept the hammer down and kept growing. Um, at the time, I was natural, and I, I literally, I was putting on lean muscle tissue at a very good rate for a natural, and I, I wished I would not have flipped that switch off into getting lean. I wish that I would have kept going, because I really believe I probably could have packed on another probably 10 to maybe even 20 pounds of lean tissue over the course of the next two years yeah. if I would have played my cards right and kept going. Sure. Now, maybe that would have been really ambitious, saying 20, but I think in my heart, I at least could have put another 10 pounds of lean muscle on in that period of my life because I was 22, my hormones were optimized, my nutrition was good, my training was at an all-time high, and I was just a great spot in life. So now was post-college. So like literally all I did was I lived in a gym and my job was easy, I loved it. Um, everything in my life was going well. I should have kept growing instead of stopping that. So yeah, that's my only other regret I would say. Right. Yeah. How about I, you, anything as a whole? what say that again anything as a whole like if you look at it as a snapshot of your bodybuilding life that you would change yeah you know for me uh i i i think it, it would just be approach and attitude and maturity uh and having you know i just for me i think i lacked maturity and uh you know i I, I, I moved down to San Diego because a bunch of Seattle transplants had moved down there. They were all about four or five years younger than me. So they were, you know, 22, 21. And I was like 26 at the time. And, um, and so they, they were all caught up into the fast lifestyle and going out and clubbing and dancing and this and that. And so I just, you know, naturally would hang out with my buddies and, go out into that thing. And so I just wish that I would have been a little bit more serious about my fitness and my, but you know, I had so much potential, uh, with my body at the time and moved down there, uh, that I, it's, it's almost like wasted to, to a certain extent, um, on, on that lifestyle. I had a blast. I mean, it was fun. I don't regret, um, doing what I did, living how I lived because it's shaped and formed and made me who I am today. And I don't, 
and, and I don't have regrets. Um, I just wish I probably would have done something a little bit different had it been thinking about my body now and like the potential of where I could be now. I, I realized that that lifestyle was not conducive into to getting to where I wanted to be now or where I should have been potential wise. So I, I think for me, it was just maturity and, and, and approach and um, lifestyle, uh, so to speak. I mean, and let's, I was still working out. But, you know, you can't drink all weekend and then work out and, and hope for the best like you're going to grow. And, and the workouts were half-assed. I'd still go in and no matter what, I would still go in and throw three plates on the bench and rep that shit out for 10 times. I mean, I had the strength was there. But, uh, you know, you were hurting getting through that workout. <laughs> you, you know what? Here what's funny, man. To give you guys some inside insight, like how we thought about this topic, yeah. like him and I, Greg and I were just messaging, and, and I said to you, I said, man, if I could just go back and fill four hundred five on my back with four chains aside on it and just dominate it, like that's the one thing that I can say that I didn't appreciate enough in the moment, yeah. right? Were those hard squat sessions where you know we would do things that were just bananas and didn't make sense on paper, like. You know, there was one Thanksgiving where I went in there and squatted, like literally on Thanksgiving at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m., um, I hit 365 for 26 reps on the squat. Wow. Um, oh, it was, listen, it, that moment, it was my me and my training partner, I'll never forget it. We stepped in that rack and, and I said to him, we're going to get fucking wild today. And we worked up to 315. It felt like paper. And I was like, let's go 365 and see how many reps we can do. And I said, I think today I got 20 in me. And that motherfucker slapped me so aggressively on my traps that it made my nose run. Nice. And I was in a different world, man. It was, it was like a different body. It was up and down. Like, I didn't even stop until 18 to catch my breath. So piston like, it style was like a piston. for the first 18 reps. Yeah. Yes. And it was fucking hamstrings to calves, man. And... Listen, it, that was one of the greatest feelings. I, I remember walking in the gym when I was working with John at the beginning, um, and we would do a lot of chain squats. I mean, I was hitting 315 for sets of 10 with four chains aside, like, for, and being explosive with it. Right. Like, the bar would have pop. And, like, God, there's no better feeling to me than having that bar dig into your traps and strapping your belt on tight and just up and down. Like, the that's the one thing I took for granted. Like, cause I thought I was going to be able to do that my entire body. Yeah. Career. I thought I was going to be able to do that shit until I was 50. And <laughs> sadly I was wrong. Yeah. Um, due to back injuries. Um, I just can't, I can't load weight on my back like that and have the power. Like, I didn't have any fear cause that was before I'd ever tore my lower lumbar. And so like, man, I'd get onto that load and I wouldn't even fear that shit. Like it'd be heavy and I wouldn't even think twice about it. It was just, that's what we were going to do today. And then guess what? Two days later, we go pull heavy deadlifts off the floor. Right. Like, <laughs> right. That's, that's what the I meant. So listen, put up with that for one... so long. And after a while, it, yes. it just, yeah, it's, yeah, thing, you just can't recover from it because it starts putting a lot of strain on that lumbosacral ligament. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we would, we would, we would squat for an hour on a leg day and then. Two days later, we were doing Benever Barwell rows, T-bar rows, all heavy as fuck, doing deadlifts, um, dumbbell rows, and that was all beltless. Like we wouldn't necessarily do a belt on any of that stuff. I just laid out, like, and wouldn't and wouldn't think about it. That was just how bodybuilders trained, and I never thought that my lower back would break down like that. Um, 
which probably leads to, I should have probably been doing more mobility and stretching and going to a chiropractor. Um, but if I have any advice to you guys out there right now who are in their 20s or teens, like appreciate those times with those heavy squats and deadlifts. Yeah. Because eventually one day you won't be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, uh, to talk about that specifically, maybe just a little bit further here. Um, if you look at Jay Cutler's career and look at Ronnie Coleman's, okay, Ronnie Coleman won eight Mr. Olympias, uh, Jay won four, but Jay was second. I don't know how many times to Ronnie was right there with Ronnie and arguably in this, in the same realm of, you know, top Olympia guys and top physiques. When, when you look at him in his top physique compared to, you know, Ronnie's was a little bit better and I'm not going to argue that, but, but Jay was right there. Right. And they Jay, were top two in the world above ever. Yeah. But like it was, it was like them, them two and then everyone else. <laughs> but if you look at Jay's body now and you look at his approach and you look at the health of his back and what he did differently than Ronnie is Ronnie had fucking odd. Uh, they, they both had great genetics. Ronnie had probably some of the best genetics ever in bodybuilding. Yeah. Those genetics also allowed him to lift ungodly amounts of weight and T-bar row ungodly amounts of weight and deadlift ungodly amounts of weight to the point where the mechanical stress literally broke his back and his broken yep. his back multiple times multiple surgeries jay on the other hand wasn't a big and dorian yates on the other hand were not big barbell squat guys they they would hit the smith machine and they would hit the leg press and they would they took a little bit more of an intelligent approach so and if you guys can get out of what Dorian and Jay did differently than 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 Ronnie. Look at look at the weights that they used. Look at how they trained their legs. Didn't hammer on their backs. And these guys are walking around now, fine. And you know Dorian and, and Jay. Of course, they're not holding the size that they used to. Dorian's still two hundred twenty five pounds, and, and I'm I'm sure Jay is too. Jay's got big fucking arms. Oh god, yeah. And and they probably still lift fine if they want um you know dorian's had some upper body injuries so he doesn't but but as far as his back um he's not completely hammered on um and neither is jay because they took a little bit of a different approach than just let's go fucking max out as heavy as we can push this goddamn body which is what you and i did to a certain extent and you know we kind of paid for it a little bit and we both you know, aren't big squatters anymore um, because of the load on the back, which is fine. Uh, but if you take that approach to begin with as a bodybuilder and a younger bodybuilder, you don't have to max out your body and, and what it can do in its 20s. Because think about how long you want to lift for. Do you, Is this a hobby that you want to take for the next two, three decades and continue to lift? Or do you want to max out and then fuck yourself up and then possibly I mean, I mean you know use the example of what happened to ronnie coleman is pretty fucking extreme but um I, I think to a lesser level it can happen to anybody so it just it shows you the importance of program sequencing and right. selection and having a coach that's, that's and being smart <laughs> and you know taking a, you know an important uh, uh, uh yeah an experienced approach to the to the whole lifting and and, and making gains over over decades Anything else, Chris? Yes, sir. No, I'm good, man. Cool, man. For Chris Admins, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio, guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks.